Welcome to the Maintaining Hope podcast. The Maintaining Hope podcast exists to look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 18 of the Maintaining Hope podcast. I'm your host Brian and as always I'm thrilled that you've decided to join us as we look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. This week on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome a new friend of mine by the name of Stefan to the show. And Stefan is the brother of a friend of mine and an ex-coworker from my time working at the Keg Steakhouse and Bar in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, Stefan's brother, Charles, reached out to me on Instagram recently and said, Brian, I think you should connect with my brother, Stefan. I think he'd make a really interesting podcast guest for you. And after a couple of emails and after, um, yeah, just short interactions with Stefan, I knew that Stefan would bring a lot of joy uh, and wisdom and really, really great perspective to the podcast. And he absolutely did that in this conversation. I am really, really excited to bring this conversation to you this week. And Stefan and I talk about a wide range of topics, but I really, really, really appreciated his thoughts on parenting uh, and specifically how open and real and raw uh, he was in sharing his adoption journey. So I'm excited for you to hear from my new friend, Stefan. So this week on the podcast, I am really excited to welcome a new friend uh, to the podcast. And uh, yeah, Stefan, it is great to have you on the show. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. How's it going today? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me here today. Awesome. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. I uh, I really appreciate it. I was excited. Um, a old coworker of mine at the Keg, uh, a really famous restaurant chain in. Uh, in Canada and I think in America as well too actually connected um, Stefan and I together and yeah just really really excited to have you on Stefan. So Stefan tell us a little bit about yourself and how you're spending your time these days. Okay well my name yes my name is Stefan and I'm uh, 48 I just turned 48. Um, I have a wife and four children two of them are biological kids and two adoptive kids from Sierra Leone, West Africa. And so I spend a lot of my day navigating life uh, with as a family of six. I was originally a chef by trade for 22 years. And but currently, I run my own business and manufacture dog food across um, uh, Western Canada, uh, which we started my wife and I started from the ground up what was it about 12 years ago Um, and so I sort of I have the luxury of working from home but at sometimes that is not as luxurious as it might seem because I'm trying to be a professional and carry on business while kids are running and you know so (laughs) yeah 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 that's that's awesome so I would be remiss if I didn't ask favorite breed of dog oh Oh, that's unfair. Um, (laughs) We are partial to, well, actually, in my current lifestyle, I am partial to the Valley Bulldog. We have one of those. It's our second. Um, We, they're just wonderful because what it is, is they take a German boxer Mm. and they take um, old English bulldog, mix them together. So you, you removes the health concerns of the old English, tames the boxer down. They don't need a lot of exercise. Like once they're adults, you can't even really run them 5K, but they have a presence and um, and they're just wonderful short hair and really gentle. They take, they, like I have four kids. My our, our first one, my kids learn to walk, grabbing onto her, you know? So it's wow. just a wonderful for that kind of temperament and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I would say that's probably my favorite at this time of life. Because I don't have a whole bunch of time to train a German Shepherd mm-hmm. or Doberman, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some of these more high energy work dogs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think dogs, 
I think dogs really are a gift. Uh, anybody that knows me well knows that it is a hashtag life goal uh, to own a uh, to own a bulldog in one sweet day. One sweet day that will happen. So I'm I'm excited. I wish that day was today, but in God's time. Um, awesome. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, so Stefan, when you look at the word hope biblically, what does that mean to you? Where does that take you? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that is a that is a loaded question. That is awesome. I think when I when I approach that, when I think of that from a full biblical standpoint, I think you have to take the whole message of the Bible together and to understand it. So uh, to put it all in a short thing may be difficult, but I think it starts ideally with who who we are, our identity as mm -hmm. human beings. And so I think of the passage. Um, Psalm 139, where it says, the New American Standard says it really well. It says, I am awesomely and wonderfully made. Yeah. And the son himself, but not in a boastful way, but in a fact that he is a beloved creation of God. Mm -hmm. This is, we are not an accidental primordial ooze that has no meaning, yeah. right? We are actually purposefully made by God. And you know, you can go back into Genesis where he says that we are very good, the pinnacle of his creation. So if if our identity comes from that, it also means that so is the next person you're talking to. So is the person mm. you're doing business with. So is your wow. child. So, so is everyone in creation, regardless of culture, skin color, anything like that. So if we can approach life with that point of view, mm. then. I think that all the other stuff that the world counts as hope, whether it's the car you drive, the job you have, uh, mm -hmm. who the president of the United States is, because that's been a heated topic, you know, in the <laughs> yes, past. yes, it has uh, Canadians. Um, you know, it's it's those things become peripheral. I'm not saying they aren't important. Mm -hmm. They are important, but they're peripheral. My hope comes from the unchanging character of God. Because those words were written thousands of years ago and are true then as they are now, as they will be a thousand. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If we put our hope in something of this world or something within ourselves, we know how fickle these things are. Mm -hmm. a, small, a small history lesson will just show you how quickly life changes, how quickly mm -hmm. finance change, how quickly governments change. Mm -hmm. You know, if our hope is in those changeable things, then we are constantly re-navigating depending on what's going on in life. So if our hope is rests in the unchanging character of God, mm -hmm. then we have an anchor point and a focal point that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine going through life without having that anchor, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I think, yeah, like you said, just with that perspective of realizing that, okay, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made and how that changes the perspective and how you look at those around you and how you look at just the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. That's great. So Stefan, with that perspective in mind, how does that play itself out in your day-to-day -day life? I think it, it changes everything, you know, um, it, it certainly changes how I am as a husband, mm -hmm. right? We go again back to that identity of a, the, the human being in front of you, uh, whether you know them or not, is equally valued in the eyes of God as you are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think of the teachings of Jesus and he says, do unto others as you have done unto yourself. So now, you know, we've leveled this playing field regardless of income, skin color, sex, whatever it is. Yeah. So it colors everything. So, for, uh, you know, who my wife is to me and how I relate to her, who my children are to me, how I relate to them. Uh, business, when, when that person in front of me needs help because of a problem or because they've come to me um, to, 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 to make dog food for them or, or something to that nature, whether mm -hmm. it's a store individual owner, we look at that person as having value and mm -hmm. not just, you know, as a person, not as a financial exchange, but as a valued person. So then that person feels that they are valuable to you because you've treated them in that way. Mm -hmm. And 
think that the success of my business is not just that we have a decent product or the same thing as my success as a leader in as being a chef is not because I was necessarily the best chef in the in the world you know it's really that I was able to treat people with respect and so people wanted to follow me um, wanted to work for me I remember when I first moved to Canmore in 2006 and and the the labor crisis there you know you could Mm -hmm. get a job $25 an hour sweeping up concrete dust at Lafarge why would you come on and skilled labor in the kitchen is paying $16 an hour. Why would you yeah. want to do that? Yeah, right? Exactly. But I was still able to build a core team because I think that was the thing is that I was able to give people some purpose and some and respect in the workplace. And, and that to me comes from how um, I feel as, a, as a, an image bearer of God and how mm-hmm. that person is, is the same. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So Stefan, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hearing you talk about the power of relationships and purpose and respect um, in how you deal with your clients today as a business owner, uh, I'm wondering what are some of your best daily and weekly practices in your own devotional time, in your own relationship with the Lord that help you maintain hope? That's a good question. And it has changed over the years, you mm-hmm. know, when I when it was just my wife and I, or when I had one, one baby or two babies, yeah. I, I had so much more time, you know, and I was so eager to do things like the Bible in the year or, which still took me 18 months, by the way, <laughs> fully honest about that. I don't think I've ever done the Bible in a year successfully, but as, as a father for four, working from home, uh, dealing with kids from hard places, um, running a business and, and I don't necessarily have that time anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think what's really important to me is, is still the fact that this is a relationship. Mm-hmm. If I don't talk to God, if I don't bring him into my day, day-to-day practice, then really it's me forging forth on my own strength and my own power. Mm-hmm. And I'm always sure you know, or, or sorry, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a sure thing that if I do that for too long, that's when the struggles come in. That's when I start to lose my patience with my yeah. kids. That's when I start to get frustrated because somebody's asking me a stupid question. And mm. I'm like, you know, and that could even be, you know, in business or my wife or totally. my kids. And yet, that you start to run out of that sort of well of patience. Mm. Um, so to me, prayer is truly the number one thing, but it's not necessarily like, um, you know, that that go into the room and, and get on your knees and, and say your bedtime prayers like in the totally. movie. Sometimes yeah. it's truly an out loud, eyes open, Lord, I need help with this right now. Mm-hmm. This kid's boots in their mind. I have nothing left to give. Help me with this. And it just sort of takes that moment to pause. And then I sort of feel like I'm going through that together. Totally. Or even with my wife. I mean, I'm sure... Everybody is blissfully married, but we understand that these relationships take a certain amount of, uh, you know, exchange. And sometimes there are spirited discussions. You know? <laughs> so, I like that spirited discussions. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, when we were married on the inside of my wedding band, we put the Ecclesiastes verse where it says that a cord of three is not easily broken. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very important to me that that's where that connection between me, God, my wife is the cord of three. And when it's just me and my wife going head to head, it is never going to go well. Mm-hmm. Right. But when we are all in this together and we take that accountability or, you know, if I am frustrated, then I can, I stop, drop and pray. Mm-hmm. And it helps, you know, that it's the same with business. Sometimes, you know, I, I say a breath prayer. I'm coming. Oh my goodness. This certain customers coming to my, me again. Ooh. Okay. How may I treat this person with respect and, mm. and be patient and kind to them? Uh, yeah. Because that's how I want to be dealt with too. Yeah. And, and so it is, you know, that's one of the things I think prayer is the key one. I think music as well. I do a lot of work. I work by myself and I, and I'm working on, you know, you sort of head down getting this on. So it's nice when I put music, 
it does not necessarily have to be, say, Christian music. There's mm. a lot of secular music quite positive and uplifting, um, that that's thought provoking, and so I I have a very large base and and blended music, but I really am am careful about weeding out those that sort of lead you down that negative things or or that point where I, that that music could be that beat could be amazing, mm-hmm. but if we're coming if the message is from a disrespectful point of view to another person, it starts to grate on me. Yeah, and I, I, so you know. And then the other thing I would say is that I make a, a, a very strong practice of connecting with other uh, men of faith as well. Hmm. So it is, it doesn't have to, it's not official. I mean, right now we're in COVID times, you can barely even visit, Yeah. but we're lucky enough to have the technology of texting, phone calls, you know, Marco Polo, we send hmm. a quick message small group of adoptive dads and you know there's only five of us and so we can we can bear one another's burdens that way mm. um and sometimes the only person who gets it is another adoptive dad yeah um if you haven't been through that program that that process it's really hard for you to understand mm. if i try to vent that to someone who hasn't or doesn't get it and then it just makes it more frustrating to me mm. um, you know so i find to make a point of quite often through the week to make that connection or to send a text to a friend and just keep that pathway open. So if you need of help or they are need of help, yeah, it's, it's an easy place to get started. Totally. Totally. And it's amazing too, that, you know, I think even as you, yeah, like, as you said, you, you send a Marco Polo, you send a text message that that Christian brother is on your mind and they're on yours, right? You know, it could even just be something as simple as like, uh, hey, God put you on my heart today. Hope you're doing well. Have a blessed Tuesday. See you later, right? Like, you know, we, you know, I think we, we never know what that's go- what that may mean to somebody in the moment they see that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And as older and as we spend more time with people, you realize some of those struggles and it's not necessarily easy to vocalize that. And mm-hmm. so when you're constant connection <clears throat> individually, then that person feels supported. Yeah. You know, if, if it, it, it really doesn't matter where you're going through, parenting is a difficult journey, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and life is not easy right now. People mm-hmm. are feeling the strength and the stress. And there's a lack of connection. So to just have somebody reach out and say, hey, how's your day? Yeah. Hey, man, it's been a long time. Haven't spoke to you. Is everything okay? Or, yeah, it's not like we have to send, you know, perfect pieces of scripture. Or sometimes that's, sometimes it's called for. But really, yeah. it's more about letting that person know you're thinking about them. And totally. you're there for them. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, Stefan, as... As a father of four, like you had mentioned earlier uh, in our conversation and in whatever way you want to go with this and in whatever way you feel comfortable sharing, uh, how do you display and teach hope to your four kids? Oh, man, you don't pull any punches, do you? (laughs) (laughs) That's why I I gave a disclaimer before the question, man. It's... (laughs) (laughs) Well... I think display and teach is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, oh, I think one, so again, I talk about the music, same thing with my kids. I, I don't, you know, when we have music on, I want them to experience that, but there's times, a lot of times I choose to not listen to a song or take that and they want to know why. And it opens up that conversation with the fact of if that is truly how we want to be seen as a person is that how you want would you like somebody saying those words about you Mm -hmm. um and so it comes back again to that relationship and that individual respect so i think that's kind of also not dwelling on all the negative Mm -hmm. in this day and age i mean let's face it i have four kids and there's two of us the combinations and permutate permutations are that of 30 relationships just in my house yeah (laughs) so yeah 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 (laughs) You know, like there's 
if that just means one person has to have a bad day yep. and or one relationship has to be strained and we have a bad day every day of the month you know mm -hmm. so you're constantly navigating these interactions between your kids between yourselves uh going through um middle school and 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 elementary school that's where our kids are right now mm. you know you i have kids <clears throat> two kids from hard places so we're, we're having conversations from um of, the, of that level so there's constantly this type type of discussion that needs to happen and i find it always we can always sit there and be the policeman or the lawyer right mm -hmm. who started it first what's yeah. this about? and it never goes well whereas no. when we come back to the heart of the matter mm -hmm. and we deal with it from the heart i find it so much more effective and then we i can point back to jesus mm -hmm. because what you know, sort of the classic, what would Jesus do? And, and you know, does he, okay, so they, they broke your Lego creation. Does that mean you now, would Jesus say that the good idea is to go break their, rip up their artwork, mm -hmm. you know? And then we can get back to the two wrongs, don't make a right. And we get back into the heart of the matter rather than who did it first, just say, where's the benefit of this relationship? And I think that that there's an outpouring of, of hope that comes from when we deal with things in that way. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily use the word particularly with my kids, but it is always central because again, you can get bogged down with the struggles and the strife and the, 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 the struggles in school, the struggles with your sister, your brother, you know, um, all of these things, you can just get bogged down with that because really their eyes are focused on their circumstance. And so if we can let take as what is it in Colossians, it says, set your minds on things above. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so as soon as you can lift yourselves out of that, even for us as parents, we get bogged down. Yeah. We get down in the frustrations. Oh, this kid is never going to get this. Oh, I can't teach. You know, will this child ever learn to brush her teeth? I don't know. You, know, it's, you just get you can get bogged down in that negativity and that frustration. And really, you realize that you're kind of. Um, plowing it again on your own steam and you haven't sort of lifted your eyes out of the circumstances and set your mind on things above mm -hmm. and there's just a greater lightness when you do that um, am I successful in that every day all the time no <laughs> no I'm not but it is my focus and my sort of way that I speak to my kids uh, I also think Again, I probably have quoted it to them, but a lot of my parenting thing is that I don't ever want my kids to think that following Jesus means easy life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I go to John, I think it's in uh, John 16, where it says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. But take heart, I have overcome this world. So again, it wow. takes it their struggle or their strife or what you know they think they should have or shouldn't have or should be doing or shouldn't be doing and it just makes them realize you know there's there's going to be struggle you know middle yeah. schoolers you mean absolutely um you know people can say stupid things on the playground absolutely but we have a hope in jesus and mm -hmm. we have even if you can't take it to your parents because we're busy you can take it to him yeah. you can vocalize that you know then later we can also all talk about it and we just try to bring that together yeah. um, with that sort of concept and again are we successful always no but when we are you just it's palatable it's so much mm -hmm. better yeah you know yeah yeah that's yeah that that's beautiful you know and i Stephen, i love how you're bringing everything back to relationships right and you know mm -hmm. i think yeah you know like as as a dad as as a business person but above all as a as a beloved son of god you know i can i can see and i can tell that you're you're driven by relationship and you know i think that's such a beautiful and powerful thing and hope right and realizing that you know what hey yeah, with your kids, if there's if there's that moment where mom and dad are busy, you have Jesus. Like you have everything you could ever possibly need. And like we like we're still here. Like we want to hear about this.
but you're pointing your kids to Jesus. And I think that's, that's beautiful. That's really, really powerful. I, I think it's important because, you know, again, how do we model that? If we are, we are flawed people as mm-hmm. parents, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the brokenness in this world is, is, is everywhere, including within us. Mm-hmm. And so we don't do everything right. And we make mistakes. And so that's another point where it is hard. I'm, you know, both my wife and I were probably raised a shoot first, ask questions second by our parents. You know, my, <laughs> yep. I, I can joke with my dad now about it. You know, we were driving down the street and, and he's just swinging behind the seats, you know, just to keep us quiet or whatever. It doesn't matter who started it. It doesn't yep. matter what it was. It doesn't matter which leg he's hitting. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, Bow, 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 right? <laughs> you know, I don't and, care. Be quiet. Yeah, it's yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we we um, and we make mistakes as parents, mm. and so I think that's also we can we can bring that. It's a very humbling adoption, especially is a very 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 humbling experience, mm. um, and so <clears throat> you can when you make a mistake and you can go back to the kid and say, you know what. Uh, what my wife is really good. She says that to her kids, Jesus wasn't being the boss of my heart at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's sort of relating to the kid because we all can get angry and yeah. we know that's the point when we're truly sort of the least connected to, to the f- fruits of the spirit, right. Mm-hmm. To love, joy, mm-hmm. peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. You know, we, mm-hmm. we talk about yeah. that a lot. That that's what we say. When those things are being exhibited, we're letting Jesus be the boss of our heart. Mm. Um, when we are angry, when you are angry, when this relationship is struggling, mm-hmm. is are we fighting for what we think is fair and unfair or this and that? Or are we thinking, how can we improve this relationship? Um, and I think that's a key thing there so that they when we let Jesus be the boss of our heart, then we put down our own needs and our own wants. And it, then we can, we can say, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yeah. gotten that up. Yeah. At that point, daddy wasn't letting Jesus be the boss of his heart. And I apologize. Mm. And I had a kid's teacher um, this year in grade three, one of my, my son was in school and she said right off the bat, or no, maybe it was the end of grade two. Anyway, she she said right off the bat that she saw that when something goes wrong, it was mm-hmm. very important that he would understand that there was forgiveness there. So mm-hmm. even if something went wrong, he would say it right in class and he'd say, you know what, I, I forgive you. And people don't do that much. They they can no. kind of say sorry, you know, sorry yeah. is, you know, but and sometimes it's even overused. It becomes this sort of you know, nonchalant apology. But when we can come back and say, you know what, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I had a similar circumstance a few days ago where one of my daughters was really, really rude. And I just got so upset. I just took mm-hmm. it so personally because I had spent all this time with her and doing all this stuff. And it was just absolutely, you know, and I got upset. Mm-hmm. And then so later I had to step away and I came back and then we talked and we were much cooler heads prevailed. Yeah. And, and I still could feel this anger underneath because I'm, I just feel like, man, I, sure. we. But I took it upon myself to say the words, you know what? I forgive you. Yeah. I said her name. I said, I forgive you. Yeah. And it was amazing. The, the, that anger just dissipated. Totally. And if I can do that for my kids, and they can get, not get locked in that cycle of anger and, and, and exchange. And, and I think that's where people forget that they have no hope because mm. frustration builds, anger builds. These things pull us further wow. away from, from better benefit relationship, whereas forgiveness, love, these things just come out and it just yeah. improves relationship. And yeah, yeah. I digress. <laughs> wow. No, that, that's, that's really powerful, Stefan. And yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of beauty in that because I think Jesus for each one of us, well, not I think, I know Jesus for each one of us said, Stefan, Brian, whoever, you know, insert person's name here, I forgive you. I, you know, I, I think when, you know, we've got this beautiful example of there is that proactive 
choice and that proclamation of I forgive you because yeah, like you had said, you know, I think it's ingrained in all of us as Canadians. We say sorry for everything. We are always, yeah. always, always apologizing, right? And you know, I think like anything, I think the more you use it, or I think the more you you hear it, I almost think it it loses its power, right? So, you know, I think to go to take that step more and to not just say sorry, but also to reach out that hand of forgiveness, right? Like, you know what, I think in our COVID-19 COVID reality, we need more kindness. We need more gentleness. We need more authenticity. Um, so yeah, that's, that's profound and really, really beautiful. And Stefan, you have, uh, you've mentioned adoption a little bit uh, before. And you said you would, you've adopted a couple kids. Uh, I would love it if you could just kind of chat about that, that process a little bit. Um, and I will kind of give you an open mic to go with that, uh, where you want to go and kind of talk about, talk about your hope journey in that process now. Um, how was it impacted? Where did hope show itself? Um, yeah take that and go with it where you want. Wow. That, um, I don't think we have enough time to tell the full story, um, but <laughs> okay. I'll focus on it because it's, it was truthfully um, our twins, our twins were 14 months when we started the process of adoption and they mm. were four and a half when they got home wow. uh, our house. Um, truthfully, you know what? people automatically say oh and they want to put the blame on the african side oh well those guys, you know mm. and the reality is it wasn't a problem the the adoption process went really smoothly from the home study we were done within five months our home study we were done we went to sierra leone three times in six months and wow. got through the um the the administrative process from the on on that side through court, it wasn't easy, but we were mm -hmm. did that, and they were officially our um, uh, legally officially our children the day before their second birthday. So that means wow. from fourteen months right to twenty four and ten months, we were able to achieve all of that across borders, all of those things. The point of the real struggle yeah. <laughs> happened at that point on, because then even though they were legally our children, they were no longer, they were not legally Canadians. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to get too political, but the system is a little backwards because you are approved provincially from a child or children, and you have mm -hmm. to specify that. Mm -hmm. um, from a specific country. You can't mm -hmm. just say, oh, I want to adopt a kid from somewhere in the world and go forth until you find one. You, When you do a home study, you have to be say, well, I'm going to go to China or to the Congo or to, mm -hmm. and you can only go to certain countries, which I think is good, right? They've closed borders for certain reasons, but it, it, that is only done, and the home study is only on the provincial level. Immigration mm -hmm. is not involved in anything there. Mm -hmm. And so... Again, if we want to put our hope in government, <laughs> we want to put our hope in a lawyer, we yeah. want to put our hope in uh, anything like that that is so ever-changing, you are going to run into trouble. You will. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas we, we trusted, and I should probably, oh man, again, how can I put all of this together? But I could also say that in our beginning stages, to us, it was so clear that God was on our side. Um, that in certain times where we would be in the so-called desert of parenting, mm -hmm. where it is just so difficult and you just say, Lord, why me? Why did you choose me for this task? You know, you can go back again because now you're struggling. You're looking internally. You're struggling into, you know, your own capabilities, what you want and your frustrations. And <clears throat> we're able to go back and say, yeah, well, you know what? I do know that God led us to this point and mm -hmm. he has a plan and it may not be exactly what we want, but it might also just be to humble us and show us how much we need him. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And so coming back to hope, 
you know, if I put my hope in what that child is capable of doing, what I'm capable of doing, it's always changing. It's always not, you know, always having to be adjusted. And so we come back to that center line there that we can come back to, to God's work in our life and our heart and then and trying to exhibit the fruit of the spirit. That is, you know, to me, that's, that's central. So <clears throat> anyway, as I say, we, these kids were legally our children. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had to sign off a power of attorney for the orphanage to continue to care for them because they couldn't come home to Canada because they were not legally Canadians. And that was a two and a half year battle or two and a quarter year battle um, with immigration to get them home. In that time, um, we thought it would be really quick because we had some people on our side um, on immigration, not, not, um, you know, in, on the Sierra Leonean side, yes, we'll, we'll give you what you need. Everybody was very, very willing to help. Um, And then Ebola hit. So once Ebola hit, immigration got ground to a halt. Uh, On the U.S. side, we had people that we knew where the U.S. lawyers were coming or immigration was saying, any finalized adoption, we're not going to push through anything that's not there, but if it's a finalized adoption, how can we make sure your children get out of the country before things get worse? Mm -hmm. On the Canadian side, it was crickets. Oh, wow. Nothing. Uh, we went through, again, the people talk about the expense. Uh, it was nothing compared to the legal battle of making them, of getting them to be Canadians. Yeah. Uh, so again, in that process, you just have to, you know, you, you just have to hold out your hope that, that God's on your side. And mm-hmm. I would not say that any of that process was specifically a blessing to me, other than to know that some things in life are out of my control and out of my hands. Mm-hmm. And I have to trust and walk forward in faith and, and, you know, and not let anger or frustration consume you. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know how people without some kind of faith w- can go through that process uh, mm-hmm. without being extremely anger and bitter. And the problem is once you're through it, you're too busy being a parent to even yeah. try and make a change in the system. Yeah. You can't make yeah. a change during it because you don't want to upset anybody. Once you've gone through the system, you're too busy trying to figure out how to parent children and go through that, that you don't have time to, <laughs> to be yeah. a, a, a beacon of light or change in that situation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, Stefan, tell us the day it's a done deal, they're home, your two and a half year battle is over. What's going through your mind that day when they're home? Uh, what, what was that first day like? What was that first week like? Was it just kind of catch your breath and recalibrate? Was it abundant and exceeding joy? Tell us a little bit, yeah, like that first day, week, month, Oh man, uh, there's <clears throat> so again the first day because we we're in Sierra Leone, right? Mm. We had to fly to Sierra Leone. Um, there's an interesting story in there. We went to Sierra Leone. We still didn't have Canadian passports. We were approved for them. We were hopeful for them. Yeah. They never showed. We oh, had no. to, you know, we're in Sierra Leone for two weeks. We figured no problem. We'll get them in that time, right? Uh, they're coming from Ghana. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Quick DHL over. Two weeks going, we have to extend our flight because they still haven't shown up. Oh, no. uh, in fact, we are driving. We've changed our flights. We've gotten um, written consent that they are on the way. They're on the plane. They're getting there. They're going to arrive in Sierra Leone on the morning of the same day we're flying out. Mm-hmm. So we had a wonderful young man uh, in Freetown. We're four hours away in Bow. We're mm. driving to the airport that, that day. He's in Freetown waiting for this. So it's funny, it comes into the airport, but it has to be delivered into Freetown and then back out to the airport. So he's waiting at DHL office for this. We're driving, our plane is leaving within hours. Oh, you know, wow. so the level is incredibly high. Yeah. And we get there and we, we get to the airport 
and the, the, I don't even know how much I can tell in the story because again, it's post Ebola. Mm. Um, what we didn't realize was that, um, and then Leo, uh, my son had gotten malaria. So oh, no. he was still recovering from malaria. We didn't have passports and we're going to the airport. So we get to there. Finally, um, Ishmael, our friend, meets us at the airport with passports in hand minutes before we have to get in. We go through the whole immigration. Because of malaria, um, Leo has uh, a fever. So we're not supposed to be allowed on the plane. But luckily, thanks to Tylenol, we know it's not Ebola. We know it's 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 the recovery of malaria, yeah. but we were sorry we didn't give him down all the time he was fine he we got on the plane they measure you when you <laughs> arrive they measure you. we get into the airport we haven't eaten since breakfast it's now <sighs> seven o'clock right because of all this travel back and forth exchange going through getting tested getting measured you know making sure the passports aren't even signed and we're trying to show the guy like it's right there <laughs> wow. in front of them they're being delivered minutes we get on and yes, there's an elation. Thank you, Jesus. We have passports. We don't have to change. We're going to get onto this airplane mm-hmm. and we're trying to get them some food because there's no food on the plane. Uh, and we're flying Sierra Leone to Monrovia, Monrovia to Paris, Paris to Chicago, Chicago to Seattle, Seattle to Kelowna. That's the wow. lake. So uh, there's a lot of little steps in there. I can tell you a fun story if we have time about our stop off in Paris. Um, with two two kids that barely know us because we haven't we hadn't been able to travel to Sierra Leone because of Ebola yeah. we weren't able to go yeah. so for that two and a half years they hadn't seen us other than the odd video exchange with people um, in the orphanage so wow. they're still getting to remember who we are they haven't seen us since the, the day before their second birthday yeah and now then here we are to go to Canada yeah <laughs> well, yeah you yeah. know this is and so anyway, they were excited. They were excited to do the trip, but you know, it's just like, what is going through a four-year-old's brain is incredible. Totally. We get on the plane, we go through this, we fly to Paris, we have a small stay over in Paris, we clean up, we get in, we drive, to, we, get, we fly to Chicago, we fly Chicago to Seattle. In that point, um, an interesting thing happened that Leo actually started to exhibit chickenpox. Oh no. So my wife is so tired. We're exhausted. She's in the back of the airplane and she's just saying to the lady, they're chit-chatting, you know, and uh, ladies being friendly as anything. Hey, yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Oh, uh, did, you know, how long have the, the twins been yours? And, and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Well, this is our first leg home. She's like, really? That's amazing. They're being fantastic. This is the honeymoon period. Yeah. And, she says, yeah, I know. My wife says, I know. I don't know. My body clock is so off. I don't know what time. I don't know what day. Do I want a coffee? Do I want a beer? I just don't know what. And the lady says, well, I could give you both. <laughs> so just friendly. You know, it's the airplane. You can do that. <laughs> so she says, yeah, I don't know. But um, but yeah, my son, he just started. Um, I think he's got chicken pox. Well, the lady's face just changed. Like picture of mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What? All of a sudden, she comes back. My wife comes back and says, I don't know. I think I made a mistake. I said chicken pox and they got really concerned. So so I said, oh, dear, what's going on? Let's check his temperature. Sure enough, he was getting a bit of a temperature. Meanwhile, on the flight, the guy one seat behind us has been hacking up a lung for pretty much 10 hours of the, the journey. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Um, and and so, but and not covered up. And nobody seems to care. But because my son has chicken pox, it's a problem. Oh no. But post Ebola, you got a kid coming from West Africa with a rash and a fever. Mm. This is a completely different day. Oh, so no. again, I suddenly go, okay, I saw this other baby up the thing. I went and I knew that this kid was sick for whatever reason. I don't know. I ran up the aisle and I said to the lady, I said, Hey, do you have any liquid Tylenol? Do you have any Tylenol? Uh, my son might be having a fever. She said, yeah, sure. So I gave him Tylenol. And luckily, this kicked in by the time the lady comes with the full white gloves, the clipboard and mask. And she is like business. Wow. Asking us all these questions, this kind of stuff. Takes his temperature. He's fine. It's one little pockmark on his back. Not a big deal. Clearly, we don't want him to be touching it. But he's four and he's sleeping. It's not a big deal. 
So we think it's over. We mm -hmm. land in Seattle and everybody stands up. You know how they all do in the plane. Yeah. Everybody yeah. stands up. We land in Seattle and all of a sudden the pilot comes over. Excuse me, everybody on this plane from rows one to, 30, to 32, please sit down. Oh, no. We're in three. Two officers from the CDC come on and escort us off the plane in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, right? no. Grill us through. They take us in. They were wonderful. Once we were in the office, they honestly, they, uh, they're like, oh, yeah, this is nothing to worry about. But you got to understand, post Ebola, fever, yeah. rash, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, then we go through immigration and we are exhausted. We just... We're exhausted, so we go. We know we have about six hours. We go get an air, uh, uh, a hotel, and we're now mm -hmm. wondering what's going to happen if this chickenpox gets worse. They've told the, we have one more leg. We're going Seattle to Kelowna. One more leg. We've yeah. got to get home. Yeah. What are we going to do? So we're calling. We thought people offered to drive from Summerland to come pick us up. Wow. Um, you know, hey, don't get on the plane if they don't let you. Whatever, we'll come and pick you up. All this stuff, right? Yeah. So. All I, I, I probably there's even <laughs> then we end up falling asleep in the airport and miss our flight. Oh no! So now we have to go back to the airport and explain to them we're sorry, but we've been through two days of really difficult travel. We fell asleep. We're exhausted, and we had um, Christian Adoption Airlines. I forget. No, what's it? I'd love to give the, these guys props. I don't remember the name offhand. Mm -hmm. But we called them and said, what can you do? Because they helped us with the flights and that. So they said, well, you can't do anything. Just go to the airport. They can do stuff for you. And I tell them what happened and just see. And we will be praying for you. Mm -hmm. People in Summerland praying for us. People in Sierra Leone praying for anybody we knew. We were like, listen, we don't have a flight home. We missed our flight. There's no reason yeah. to do that. And adoption and all this stuff, we had no money. You know, we would have to borrow to make another new flight to get home. Yeah. Wow. So we get to the airport we're saying this we're talking to the lady and it's, it's her first day <laughs> oh no she's sitting there going uh i don't know what i can do but what turned out is she was adopted and she oh, felt wow. so amazing by her story she said listen we can charge you the the, the change fee which is 75 dollars per person to mm. do that but i gotta go get my manager so a uh, little side story. Now, the kids in Sierra Leone during the Ebola breakout had learned the story about Ebola, it's a killer. Mm. And they know 500 other songs as well. But for some reason, while this lady's going, they decide that they need to sing Ebola, it's a killer in the middle of the Seattle airport while no. we're trying to get home. Oh, and no. he's been known to have a rash and a fever. I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, we are going to jail. Like, there's no choices here. We, we're out. Wow. So lo and behold, I'm like, no, sing the sing the elephant song, please. <laughs> so they changed. And the lady comes back and the manager says, I we love your story so much. We're gonna charge you $175 change fee. Mm. And please go home, enjoy that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, end of it, they didn't even charge. I don't know why. They didn't even charge us. They said, go, enjoy, get home. They put us on a new airplane, got us home. We get on the flight. The, air, the, the steward was also adopted. He was amazed by our story. Oh, wow. And he gives a $100 credit <laughs> to fly with, with Horizon Air anytime. And so wow. last minute we get home, I call everybody I know and say, listen, we're coming in. My wife was a little upset. There was no coming home party. They gathered all these people from our church, came and met us at the airport and just gave us a welcome. Oh, so wow. when we got home, I, all that to say that we were overjoyed. We were so thankful. We just felt the little fingerprints in God along the way because yeah. some of the most impossible things were, had happened and yeah. we had got through it unscathed. Wow. It was incredible. Um, so by that time that we actually physically drove the hour drive home, got home and we were just beat. Yeah. You know, our bio kids met us in the airport. We all drove home together. They tell us now they were a little bit upset that everybody got to see their brother and sister and spend more time with them right in the beginning. But yeah. you know, now, you know, we had the rest of life to live together, but totally. Um, you know, just that support from our community, again, coming back to that relationship, 
You know, we're made for community. We had that support. We had prayer, people praying for us that had no clue who we were. Yeah. And, and, and in this adoption journey, as I said, it's been so humbling. And the power of other people's prayer has been there. When we feel like we have no hope, when we're frustrated with a kid, when we're doing it and we reach out and we yeah. ask somebody, dude, I need some prayer today because I just don't even know what to do. It is amazing how you can just be, have some clarity through something that you just didn't think you were going to get through. Totally. So again, I don't know how people do it without some faith and some, because that's where my hope comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, and thank you so much for, for sharing that with, with me and with our audience, Stefan. Um, just to start to wrap up here a little bit, um, Stefan, when you look at your hope as a follower of Jesus, um, where do you want that to take you in 2021? You know, as we sit here in February of 2021, where do you want hope to take you this year? Oh, I think again, I come back to, you know, like you, you said, in this time in the pandemic, we need a lot more kindness. You know, you hear stories of people being asked to put on a mask and they just go nuts and beat a person up. You know, again, I don't want to sound contrite, but if your greatest injustice is having to wear a mask while you go buy groceries, your life is okay, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and so I just, you know, I, I just see the mental health side. I, you know, we have friends in EMS and the, the amount of... Oh, overdoses the amount of addiction issues the amount of uh, all the stuff that's coming out of this and mental health um, issues that are coming out of, of the lack of community and relationship and mm -hmm. people being um, having to go through and feeling and and then you have the the conspiracy theories on this side you have the government on this side you have this on this side and you know everybody you just don't that's what I was going again all of these different things if your hope is in one of them and that doesn't happen what are you going to do you know, no wonder people don't feel that they have hope because life is constantly changing and, and throwing curveballs. Mm -hmm. So to me, I, I see that as, that as a time of strengthening my faith. Sure, mm -hmm. we can't go to church, but the church isn't the building. Yeah. The church is community. The church is the people you gather with. Yeah. And, you, and we're lucky that we don't have, we can gather through media like this. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks to Zoom, Marco Polo, Facebook. I mean, yes, there's, there's negative sides of that too. But but if you have a core group of people that you can rely on and have that community, it doesn't have to be a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's where, you know, I see that our faith and my hope being in, in who Jesus is, the teachings of Jesus, what he's calling us to do, and, and to think of others above ourselves. To me, that if... if, if if I could say that if everybody had that outlook on life rather than what can I get or this injustice is coming to me and I have to do this or I won't get this or, you know, mm. what a different attitude we would have uh, in this time of, of severe struggle. So I think as Christians, if we embrace that, we don't spend the, the time fighting whether we should have churches open or closed. Let's just spend the time on ministering to people in our community for mm. what they need. Mm, um wow that may look different for everybody yeah um it could be prayer it could be dropping off a meal it could be sending a text it could be finding out who the shut-ins are it could be um and and just sending them a letter a card a note a message whatever it may be but it's clear that people are feeling disconnected mm. and i'm lucky that my house has 30 relationships in it at all times so yeah. i <laughs> i got lots of input yeah but yeah I still need my community. I still totally. need people outside of our family. I totally. still need them. And I may not be able to go to that building on Sunday, but there is so many other resources out there mm -hmm. um, to just fill our buckets so that we can maybe fill others. Totally. Totally. And Stefan, one more question for you. Um, is there anything that you're reading watching on TV, uh, you had mentioned earlier in the interview, a love of music. Is there anything specifically that you're listening to that is just really, really filling you and helpful in your hope journey in these days? Um, 
Yeah, I would say again, I think our home church has done a wonderful job of pivoting in this time and, and make, you know, like when we watch it, it's not just a quick sermon by the one pastor type thing. They change it up. So you see different faces, you can reconnect the music team changes, even who preaches changes, um, who does the announcement changes, you know, you feel like you're still part of that community because it's not just this one person. Um, so that really helps. And, and again, a side note, uh, I think every parent's biggest obstacle is having to be somewhere. So mm. Sunday morning church can be that, right? Yeah. The kids have had to do school. They had to do extracurricular. They have to do that. And now they have to go to church and you're yelling them into church. And, and, and then you get into the church lobby and, and they're, how are you doing? Oh yeah. Everything is lovely. Yes. You know, yeah, <laughs> you're not yeah, going yeah. to say, Oh yeah. Well, I just yelled my kids and lost my brain coming to church, uh, you know, have a good morning, even though that person on the other side has probably done that at least once or twice in their life. Totally. They know fully, but you know, um, but, but I, but all that to say is that if church happens at two o'clock in the afternoon, wonderful. Yeah. You know, and through, I don't know, through our church, we're connected with the orange program and there's something called, um, the Area 45, and also the so-and-so show. So that's on Vimeo, and it's a free resource, as far as I know, anybody can see it. So my kids love the so-and-so show. So they do children's church, you know, but it's yeah. it's leveled, there's three levels. So there's a K to three, there's a four or five, and there's a there's a more of a preteen sort of section. And, and they sometimes watch all three, you know, uh, because it, to them, it's just fun and it's engaging. And so the long, younger ones have a little bit of jumping and dancing and the older one has some, some, and it just engages them and they yeah. feel like they're part of that because the other kids that they connect with at school are also watching it. So they can then talk about it at school. Totally. So, and then for my wife and I, sometimes the kids listen to the sermon because yeah. it, it's, it's relative. Sometimes we just do it and they do the children's church, so to speak downstairs. Um, and so that really helps. I think our church has done a wonderful job of that. Um, right now, media is a wonderful resource um, and it has some fantastic stuff on it. Bible studies, you know, Francis Chan's study on the book of Mark to mm-hmm. um, Louis Giglio's uh, study on Colossians. Yeah. You know, you can find somebody that you can relate to in there if you need to be fed. Um, one of the ones as a family that we love is the um, Bible Project. Yeah. Um, Tim Mackey. Yeah. Oh, the visuals and just it, it's oh, short. Yeah. And sweet. Well, sometimes not that sweet, but it's oh, it creates conversation. Yeah. So all of us are getting yeah. something out of that and it creates a further conversation. So it's seven, eight minutes. The kids oh, love yeah. it. Sometimes we have to watch it twice because there's yeah. so much in that period of time. Absolutely. And then we have a conversation. So it's again, able to build into them and and it takes that, that, that focus off of ourselves, what we want and how we can follow Jesus in that Um, music. Yeah. I don't really, I really try to mix it up a lot. Um, You know, and just, and sometimes when you're feeling sort of low and down and put up some upbeat songs that just kind of pick you back up again, or sometimes you need a moment to feel reflection. So I use that to sort of help me. Um, there is also one other thing that, as I said, I, I don't necessarily get into full Bible studies anymore um, just because I feel busy and this time and season in my life. But a resource that I've really, really come to enjoy is something called Pray As You Go. Um, it, it is an app. It is a free okay. app. Clearly, you can also support them if you have the financial needs to means to do that. Yeah. Um, what I love is so much of the current thing is is a preacher telling you what the Bible says. Yeah. Preacher, you know, yeah. and I'm not saying that's bad, but why I love prayer as you go is that they it's much more introspective. They and they don't pull punches either. They will mm-hmm. do some hard verses. Yeah. But what really want it's so it's short. It's 12-ish minutes and. It's designed to do in the morning, but for some reason, I like it before bed. It just closes out my day. Cool. And they'll do a little bit of music. It's some kind of reflective music. Sometimes it's monks singing in Latin. Oh, and awesome. It's awesome. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. Will explain it. Sometimes it's the Lady Smith Black um, um, uh, Mambazo Choir. Oh, cool. You know, that's awesome. Singing, 
they mix it up. Sometimes it's our Canadian um, um, artist, Josh Garls was on last night. You know, it's so, oh, it's wow. always different. But the song sets the mood for what the passage is going to be. They'll read a piece of scripture and then they will just ask you one or two questions. Mm. And it just to me sometimes opens up that scripture in a different way because now it's like, what is this scripture saying to you mm. in this moment, mm. in this time in your life? A mm. uh, couple I remember, they talked about Jesus, the healer, and things were really rough in this house. And man, oh man, did I not need to hear that message that yeah. day. Yeah. Um, one time they talked about the lady who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years and mm. they just talked the way they speak. I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to write to that? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> just yeah. the question I asked about the chaos in the crowd and, and, the, and sort of, and again, I want to be careful that what I say, but you know, the, the, the disciples were pushing people away. They're pushing kids away. Don't bother him with that. Don't do that. And here's this lady in dire need. And what does Jesus mm. do? No, no. Hey, I'm, I see you. Yeah. I see you, and I'm on your team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm going to help you. Yeah. And you know the thing about that story is that it, he's walking through a really really busy time where there's the disciples are like bouncers. Yeah. And yeah. all it says is that so clearly people are touching, bumping up with him, that kind of stuff. But it says that she just touched his cloak and he felt mm -hmm. the power go out of him. Well, mm -hmm. Why did he not go to the other people? There was something yeah. in that relationship where he saw that need. Yeah before you know and i just love that story and when they talk about the chaos and they talk about well, what chaos is in your house and how do you need jesus to reach out to you i'm like oh my goodness yeah. all right wow <laughs> yep and then after you go through that they read it one more time so you're seeing it with the fresh eyes yeah and i have had some really really wonderful times with that so um and the last thing i would say is that there's there's some wonderful things of meditation and mindfulness from a Christian point of view. Mm. Um, uh, an app that I've recently started to discover is called Insight Timer. And there's there's everything in there. You can find, you know, all kinds, but there's, you know, 1800 sleep meditations alone, right? Wow. So you can focus it in and find something that works for you. And I think in this time where we're so busy running around trying to do stuff, this and fix things and do that and fight about vaccines yeah. and blah, blah. Yeah. So just take a minute and have some mindfulness in your mm -hmm. Christian walk, in your parenting, in your in your marriage, in your stuff. I think, you know, the Bible talks about that too. We always yep. think of meditation as this Eastern philosophy. Well, guess what? <laughs> Jesus was from the East too, you know, and it yep. says that we meditate on his word and it says to spend time in prayer. It says, you know, be still and know that I'm God. Well, how are you going to know that by just walking around trying to do your daily day unless you spend some time to reflect on that? And I, and that has done wonders for me in this time and stage yeah. in my life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. So that's pray as you go and insight timer. Insight timer. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Um, again. Some people might be worried because you get on there and you will see some some Hindu people and you will see some yoga people and you'll see some just, you know, from more of a secular thing. But but I don't like to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Truth is truth. Mm -hmm. And my wife has said it really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, if we are going to put something out as truth, it needs to speak as much to the North American businessman mm -hmm. as to the single mother in Africa that is trying to walk so many miles to go get water Absolutely. and so we can put that and you can wade through it and yeah. do but yeah. there is specifically christian um, prayerful times man meditation that kind of stuff in there as well totally totally that's that's beautiful wow stefan this has been just rich and wonderful and i really 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 appreciate you hopping on the podcast with me this week uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you've given me and our listeners a lot to consider and think about. And uh, I just want to commend you for um, the power of, of purpose and respect and relationships that um, just hearing your story that, you know, I can see is just so evident in you and through you. Uh, and I just want to commend you and encourage you uh, in that my friend and uh, yeah thank you again this has been this has been wonderful
Thank you. My uh, pleasure to be on here. And uh, yeah, anytime I get to speak about Jesus during my life, I seem to get a little bit excited. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's might have babbled on a bit there, but no, you. You, you were great. You were great. And passion and joy and just smiles and laughter are just this is this is all part of the podcast, my friend. This is this is why this is why we're here, right? You know, if we can't laugh and enjoy and just preach and testify to the goodness of Jesus, why bother, right? Amen. Awesome. Amen. Great. Well, thank you, Stefan. Have a wonderful day, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Just want to say a massive thank you again to Stefan for hopping on the podcast this week. And one of the many, many things that really stood out to me from my time and conversation with Stefan was talking about how in his own journey, uh, just in those moments that he felt like there was no hope, uh, just realizing the power of prayer. And, you know, I think that's such a such a powerful and such a beautiful reminder to each one of us in this season that um, when your hope is little or non-existent, reach out, ask for prayer. No person is alone in this world. And when when your hope is at its lowest, um, that's when you need people to pray and ask and come alongside of you and bring Jesus in his fullest. Friends, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And join us again next week as we look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. Bye for now.